It's EV News Daily and a Saturday special interview. We love to do these where we can get people on uh, from the EV community and far and wide, actually, to talk about electric vehicles. And today we're joined by Neil Emmett from Lease Plan, who regular listeners will know. I've been talking about it. I recently came on board to sponsor this podcast. Neil, welcome to the show. Thank you for your time today. Martin, thank you very much for having me. I'm a fan of the show, so that's how we became a podcast. So I really love what you're doing. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. And yeah, I've seen the lease plan name around. I've been to the fully charged events recently, and I've seen you sponsoring other kind of electric properties if you like and 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 i've seen that you're reaching out into the ev community and of course by no means are the uh the the audience sizes of our our podcast uh, comparable to, to fully charged which is the reason i got into electric vehicles but thank you so much again for for doing that and just tell me a little bit about what you do at least plan and and maybe even sort of your journey into the world of electric vehicles because everyone's journey is different but always really interesting I'm head of marketing at Lease Plan here in the UK. Lease Plan, we've we've had a footprint in um, sustainability and electrification for quite a while. We were one of the first leasing organisations to make that commitment to say all of our fleet was going to be electric by 2030. So we took a really early step with that. And it was a natural piece that we saw, I guess, my team about 2019, where we were looking at where the market was going. And actually, we realised we need to take a much bigger footprint in electric, and actually help people. So we, so our journey from that perspective was we could have done a really big marketing campaign and said, hey, everybody, come and buy an electric vehicle. But as part of the research, we dug into the research to see what was the problems, what were the challenges. And it was, it was an understanding challenge. So we, everyone was talking about range anxiety. And our experience is, is actually change anxiety mm. because people have been familiar with driving internal combustion vehicles for a long time. And as part of that, it was a mindset switch. So we then went to town and started to build content, and that's Electric Moments. We called it Electric Moments because it was the light bulb moment when somebody realized an electric vehicle could really work for me. Either some people is environmental, some is sustainability. Whatever your reason was, that moment was, this could really work for me. And we built the campaign around that, focused on education. That was the the partnership with Fully Charged. Very consciously education, not sales, because we knew electric's not right for everybody. You know, some people, absolutely perfect, brilliant. But other, you know, if you're a photocopier engineer and you've got to go from Lanzine to John O'Groats in a day and you're carrying a photocopier, it's probably not ideal. But actually, the right vehicle, right person, right situation. That's what we're thinking about. And how do we help people do that? And that's, that's been our journey for the last couple of years, doing education to help people through this journey. Which is exactly what I do here for the last four and a half years, the odd 1600 podcast that we do every single day is for those that everything from the died in the wool, been driving them for years, to those that are EV curious. And we see that in the audience growing all the time and people coming in to say, I just want to learn more about it. And I try and always remind myself there was a time when, before I bought an EV, or when we didn't, and my wife and I went to charge for the first time, we turned up, there's three plugs. And I'm like, three plugs? What's this? What's CCS? What's Chademo? And exactly. what's AC? Oh my goodness. And that, and I try and remember that, that, that mini mini fear and it wasn't fear because we could still draw you know it was five minutes from our house but that sort of moment of well this is all new so try and remember that as well and and those that are ev curious uh, we try and help that education job and i guess it's interesting because much like the car makers themselves lease plan has a foot in both camps and it's interesting that 
you see it as a as a positive. I see some of the the, the, the marketing and messaging from the car makers, and they're like, "Wow, EVs are great. They're silent and they're cheaper to run." And I watch that, and I think, "Well, are you implying that your other cars are noisy and expensive?" So, how do you kind of navigate that journey of having to? Well, your customers are either going to go for combustion or electric or a combination of the both. And I kind of wonder sometimes, actually, you know, the benefits of EVs, I think, are so strong. How do, how do you not persuade everyone to drive an EV? It's about that sense of honesty. And an electric vehicle, it's not right for everybody. And it, and it depends on your situation. So it depends where you are, what you're trying to do, and how you're operating. So to do this, we've developed a number of tools to help. We've got, a, we've got a driver vehicle. So is an electric vehicle right for me? And we've also developed a, a vehicle or, or a tool for vans. So it looks at load, distance, charging capability. And as part of that, we then help people on the journey. And then we look at, we, we constantly update these tools and support material dependent on the vehicles available at the time. And as range mm. improves and improves and improves, and then so does sort of battery size and weight, and then, then capability. So that's how we, we're doing it because we're trying to help all of our clients switch to electric. Yes, absolutely. And we've made a significant commitment for that, but it's not right for everybody. And we recognize that everybody's on a journey. And it's really interesting what you say about fleets. I'm kind of, a, I'm a little bit obsessed with fleets because it's not about the number of electric vehicles on the roads. I always try and tell people it's about the number of electric miles that we do. And for anyone, I spent 10 years working in central London, for anyone who's been on a bike behind either an old London cab, and most of them are the, you know, the new LEDC ones, but, or particularly an old London bus and got a face full of diesel, those are working vehicles. Those vehicles do tens of thousands of miles, probably a month, you know, for the, the, the most hardcore vehicles, unlike the cars that you and I drive, which sit on our driveways nine times out of 10 these days in, you know, post lockdown world, we all work from home and stuff. So it's about getting those fleets to go electric, but there's been some changes. There are changes coming for anyone who want, might want to get a car through their business or lease a car through a business. It, uh, here in the UK, it's called BIC or Benefit in Kind because being able to use a company car to get a pint of milk but run a personal errand is a benefit in kind for our international listers. So we, we pay some tax on that. And in the spirit of honesty, which you mentioned, let's talk about some of the challenges that I think EVs are going to be facing. The first one is that big tax, and that's going up, and that's changed recently. Can you just let our listeners know what? The, and it's only a few days old. What those changes are? Yeah, absolutely. As a result of the autumn statement, which Jeremy Hunt's just delivered very recently, we're now seeing benefit in kind for an electric vehicle will go up uh, with 2% currently. We're going to go 1% year on year up to the tax year 27-28 when it will be 5%. Um, there's a lot of discussion in the news about this. Is it positive? Is it negative? Oh, people, oh, you know, what are we doing for electric vehicles? It, they had to start somewhere. They had to start on the lower slopes. And of all the starting points, um, we're actually quite happy with it. So I think it's a positive piece. If you think about the most emission driving internal combustion vehicles, by 27, 28, they're going to be up to 37%. And if you think about that, over a three-year lease cycle, that's more than the value of the vehicle. So you can see the government is being very favourable to electric vehicles still, and they have to start somewhere. 
and they are raising revenue, doing the same with what we Absolutely. call uh, colloquially road tax, but it's not. It's vehicle excise duty. And i got to admit, us EV drivers that have been doing it for a while, we've had it good because I've not paid uh, road tax or uh, vehicle excise duty ever. But that's coming in as well. And that's that's a bit chunky, is it not? They had to start somewhere. They had to get that piece of, you know, these are still using the road. These are stu- still using the infrastructure. So I don't see that as a negative. They had to start and get this piece. And they've started now at a point when the government needs to make, balance the books. Uh, that's a really good point, actually, about re- revenue and balancing the books. I say this all the time with EV charging because Podpoint and Tesco, their collaboration just started introducing charging. And it reminded me very much of oh goodness, maybe eight or ten years ago, when the electric highway, or Ecotricity as it was years ago, uh, introduced that those highway service stations all used to be free for DC charging. No one ever used them. And then they introduced charging, and then there was an outrage, and I charging by mean pricing. And uh, those early adopters well, couldn't believe it. Oh my goodness, they're charging us for electricity. And of course they are, because it's not free. And the same for exactly. Tesco's. It's not free to supply it. So Actually, we've still got it very good. The roads still need to be maintained. We've had it good for a long time. And unless you're buying a vehicle over £40,000, it's not that onerous per year. But let's talk about the biggie that we've re- everyone has noticed, which is the home electricity prices. Now, that is, and again, I'm a bit of an outlier here because we've got solar panels on the roof. I've done two, two installs of that, so we've got six KWP of solar, and the other side of this wall behind me in our garage, I have a 10 kilowatt hour home storage system. So I'm not typical, and that does tend to insulate me a little bit from the energy prices that have been going up. But that is definitely a challenge for EV drivers that charge at home and actually using those DC charging networks that, I mean, the cost of energy has gone up a lot recently. And and what are you seeing the impact on people and their relationship with EVs from your, your side? I'm jealous of you. Probably first point, you know, <laughs> hands up. Um, uh, I I have been looking at solar, and I all, I've also been looking at investing in um, in that sort of wind, wind farm technology as, as well. But I'm not on the same. You're absolutely right. You you have a luxury there on actually what you've set up for you. So I you know I commend you for what you've done. As part of that, from our customers' perspective, we're working very hard to do that piece of education. So it is a challenge, it is dynamic, and the market is changing. You know, that's probably the first of all piece to, to acknowledge. As part of that, we've developed a tool to help. We've developed a tool to, depend on what your energy cost is, if you're thinking about going electric, we've developed a tool where you can compare internal combustion to electric vehicles. It's very simple and straightforward to do. We try to make it as simple as possible, where you look at the vehicle you're considering, you then enter your home energy cost, you enter okay. your fuel cost and then the mileage you're doing and then the miles per gallon of your current vehicle. And then you can compare and com- contrast options. You can then start to see, do I charge most at home? Put your, your home cost in. Do I charge most out and about? Who do you use most often? And you can compare and contrast those and you can see what's the truth for you given that fuel prices and energy prices are dynamic. Dynamic is the most accurate word for it because you know, volatile is not even probably courteous enough because this is a changing world we're living in. And what, what, what I pay, I know I think you're on an octopus tariff because you've talked about yeah. it quite, uh, <laughs> quite openly. And I think yeah. great for you. Not everybody is. And as part of that, we've got to find a way to help people work out, is this a saving for me in this climate or is it not? 
Well, we're on, yeah, we're on Octopus Go Faster. That's a tariff they're actually uh, kind of retiring. Um, they're going to go to uh, Octopus Go, which is because Go Faster is longer and it's earlier. It starts at 9.30 p.m. And we pay 5.5 pence per kilowatt hour. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, and 20, whatever is 24 pence standing charge. So that's going to hit us in, in January because it's going to go to 12 pence. But that's still so different to what a lot of people pay. But if you can get on an overnight tariff, it's really, really important. And it's not even any – and uh, uh, the dynamic pricing, the intelligent octopus side, that's not dynamic. But the agile stuff that they do, that is all, all interesting. But this is no different to Economy 7 that I grew up with. Yeah, me too. You know, me uh, too. Like, that, that, like 35 years ago, we had storage yep. heaters. And they were, they were terrible because it, the house was – boiling in the morning and it was freezing at night when you wanted it. But I had storage heaters growing up and, and we had Economy 7 and we had two meters spinning around, little discs under the stairs. I loved it. Now look, can is it just your customers that can get to this tool you've made or can anyone listening use this tool? Oh, it's open access. It's open oh, access. Wow. Um, as part of this and as part of the, the research that we did, we we knew we needed to make this non, non-sales led but a benefit for everybody. So we actually say, you know, I'll give it to you at the end. So put it in the show notes. Um, yeah. This is somebody any, anybody can use at any point. Um, you know, as part of this program, we've, we've got over a hundred brokers. We've given it all out to the brokers so they can put it on their sites. So, wow. you know, how do we make this scalable, accessible um, to help people? Mm. Now, at least plan get a lot of people in vehicles and a lot of electric vehicles increasingly. Over the years, who have you seen those early adopters being? So I'll, you know, I'll tell you my story. It was because Robert Llewellyn's videos, early doors, literally him and a camera, fully charged, loved it. I was completely sold on, on EVs. We had a Golf, it was called a Blue Motion, uh, yeah, kind of a I hybrid stop-start thing. Yeah. 20, £20 a year tax, fantastic. It was caught up in Dieselgate. It really angered me. Who have you seen over the years the early adopters have been, typically, if there is one, and then... Are there any changes happening in terms of who wants to get an EV now? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, We do see a number of cohorts that we can talk about. So I think the first cohort were the pioneers. They were the ones who were focused on environmental issues. They were the ones who sort of put themselves through the pain so they could do the brown breaking stuff so the rest of us could benefit. And I think Robert's a good example of that. So Robert Llewellyn, a fully charged, great example of that. I mean, he's been driving an electric vehicle. I mean, I remember him telling me a story about... He said the only sort of really, um, you can probably call it rapid in now, nowadays techno- technology, he said the first one available used to be held behind a gate and actually you had to go and ask somebody for access. So, you know, that's... Come in, please. Could I charge my car, Exactly. That's, so that's the environmental people who, you know, really went through it. Then the next cohort was sort of the financially savvy. More mature, likely to have two cars, likely to be homeowners. So they've got a, they can they can charge on the on the driver, and then that's that's where you saw a lot of Tesla Tesla owners coming through. The next cohort, I think, is the exciting one. The next cohort we see is the younger drivers, twenty five to thirty four. Um, they're the ones in our research. They're really likely to consider an electric vehicle. Um, as part of that. They, they think electric vehicles are ideal for them, that sort of simplicity. They love the technology. But unfortunately, they don't quite understand how the costs add up. And they don't under, quite understand how charging adds up. Ironically, it's the other end of the spectrum, the older drivers, 55 to 75, who understand more about the maintenance, more about the costs. Um, so there's an interesting piece for us to do to help the younger drivers find affordable, intuitive uh, and simple approach to their electric vehicle and then help the older drivers 
with the um, with the understanding that electric vehicles are good for them. Um, you know, you get that piece of younger drivers. They're more aspirational. They're more environment. Oh, put my words mm. out. Environmentally <laughs> conscious, but they've yeah. got less disposable income. And that's just a um, how do we help the industry through that? Oh, no, let's, oh, this is, oh, I'm so fascinated by this topic. Let's talk about this. So I, uh, these days, as everyone knows, make podcasts for a living. Uh, but uh, but back in my old life, not so long ago, working in, in, in Soho, running radio stations, uh, we were in W1, and a lot of young people would come through the door. You know, graduates, first job in radio as maybe a junior producer. <sighs> Maybe the salary was 15 or 17 or 19 grand a year as their first job, right? And I'm, not, I'm only going back a couple of years before I left, I left London. And I would, was fascinated even then, and I can't imagine what's changed. It must be so much in those last couple of years and, you know, lockdown and stuff. But even then, young people were coming into the, to the, to the media business and they didn't aspire to own a record collection, because they had Spotify. They never aspired to own have a DVD collection because they got Netflix. They never aspired to own their own car, like saving up and you know going out and paying, you know, buying a car like I'd done years ago, um, because they're too expensive. So and, and so they get Ubers everywhere, but they sort of lived for the weekend or the Instagram photo or the selfie. And it's like, why would I like life is so hard. We're paid so little money and it's like everything is expensive. And this is, okay, so this is central London. This is people that choose to live in a big, big urban area. But still, how on earth can we start to make electric vehicles affordable on a monthly basis to help people get into some personal mobility? It hasn't got to be the fanciest car in the world, but just something that will you know get them to where they want to go in a kind of car that they're really proud of driving. Because that, it seems so tough to me. I think that's a really good point. And we saw this um, within the research. We did some research for World EV Day. As part of that, one of the pillars, we had three pillars. One of the pillars was affordability. How do we make this affordable? And what I mentioned about the younger cohort going electric, they didn't understand some of the costs. They didn't understand the cost of initial purchase. They didn't understand the cost of ongoing maintenance. So um, how do you, you know, that you actually need to, from time to time, have a maybe software upgrade to your EV, bit of servicing, something like that, replace your tyres, change that. sort. Helping them on that journey is quite an important piece. The other piece is quite an important piece as we do this shift from sort of ownership to usership, which is the, that sort of transition you're talking about there, is demonstrating to the this cohort the approach of whole life cost. So let's say, for example, you take a lease over a three or four year period. You're getting sort of certainty in uncertain times. You can then spread the payment over whatever you are, 36 months, 48 months. You can have certainty on your outgoings. You can then lock in any servicing, maintenance and tyres as part of that. By stretching out the duration of your uh, of your lease, you're spreading that out. Uh, out and then also what kind of vehicles are we putting in and suggesting to these younger people so there's a really exciting vehicle coming to market currently called the aura cat coming over from china sometimes known as the funky cat it's a small sort of fiat 500 mini sort of size going to be targeted about twenty-five thousand pounds you could then go smaller still and think about the citroen ami which is loads of fun. I mean, so exciting um, from a construction perspective. Um, they do a cargo version for a bit of fun, which is basically taking the seat out. The left-hand door and the right-hand door, it's the same 
print from the manufacturing perspective just switched round, and that's about £9,000 to purchase from a sticker price. But then if you put that into a monthly rental, spread that over a longer period, that actually becomes quite affordable. So you've got affordable mobility um, in quite funky cars um, that actually appeals to that younger cohort. So um, I do think that the industry can approach this. I think we can all approach this to make this accessible and exciting for people. I try and remember that all the time, which is to try and put myself in the shoes of me 20 years ago. I'm 45, but I think when I was 25, the idea of thinking about long-term cost of ownership, it probably wasn't on my mind. And yet it is for a fleet manager because they look at that number in the bottom right-hand corner of their spreadsheet and goes, well, if it's lower, that's good, right? It's costing me less money for the 100 vehicles or 1,000 vehicles that I run. I'm in a point of my life where... I can kind of step back and take that that view a little more and make that bigger investment in the beginning and then reap the benefits of ongoing lower lower ongoing costs but I mean it's so it's so I think easy to forget like it's real real challenges um if you're younger and getting into your first few vehicles but th- that that topic you mentioned about driver education I just want to touch on that now because I'd like to know from your perspective whose job you think it is I don't think it's my job to uh, you know I like I like this podcast and helping people learn but there are probably certain organisations whose whose actual job it is. Like one of those would be government, like central government, um, public information campaigns. But also organisations within motoring. Who do you think who do you think should be, and then the ones that could be educating drivers? Much like you said, you're doing already with these tools you're developing. Yeah, good question. Um, I think it's everybody's job. I genuinely think it's everybody's responsibility. So everybody in the industry can support adoption and education. And I do think you see really strong pockets of this. One thing I love is you go to a charge point and if somebody's got a problem, there's somebody else giving them some advice and guidance. So I think to start with, the community's really warm and everybody's helping. Um, I also think everybody's looking to government for that sort of magic piece. I think government's got a role to play, but overall, I strongly believe the industry needs to come together. There needs to be some common approaches, um, almost a uh, approach of how we do the narrative for charging, for example. So as part of, so again, some research we've done, we said, do you want to know um, transfer speed of charging? So, you know, kilowatt transfer, or do you want to use phrases of rapid, ultra rapid, all that sort of jazz? The reality is they want both, but they want it to be consistent. No surprise here. How do we make this accessible? I think there is a role absolutely here for government, and it's bringing a plan together right across the UK. You know, great, we've just seen the Mayor of London investing in, you know, over 100 ultra rapid charges, great. But it needs to be more than just that. So, Rather than those with the biggest budgets, how, you know, how are sort of small and rural areas going to do? What, what's going to happen in Wales? And that's where there's a sort of government strategic plan, then industry to come in and support that, and then cascade that down. So coordination. And then that's, again, what we tried to do with the World EV Day research. We pulled a load of partners together. We looked at the problem. And then we gave the research away generously. So actually, with some positive recommendations, you know, that piece of make it affordable, make it intuitive, make it simple. And within that, there's structure underneath that that's helpful to everybody, helpful to manufacturers, helpful to charge point operators, helpful to, you know, lease providers. Um, I genuinely think that piece of a rising tide floats all boats. Now, how much of your job do you consider to be getting the vehicle in someone's driveway and how much of it is 
almost a kind of holistic approach of you're going to need a charger. Do you need our help with that? You're going to need to work out where you're going to public charge it. Do you want our help with that? And the answer might be yes or no. It might be, oh, actually, you need to know about home electricity tariffs. Do you want our help with that? How how far do you go down that rabbit hole? Great question. The honesty is, is we're on a, we're on a road of discovery for this. Because right. you're absolutely okay. right. Can you just say, here's a car, off you go? No, you can't. And I do think there's a role that we've got to play as part of this, again, to provide that advice, guidance and education. So that's why we built a series of content and then we've just extended it because every time we find an issue or a problem, we're trying to shine a light in dark corners. We're trying to provide where we've got complex issues like, you know, should I go electric or not? Or can I understand the charging of fuel versus energy prices? We're trying to make the tools and guidance to help people because... It's a tricky topic. We're going through the, the, a significant change. One of, the, one of the big main changes that we've seen in electrification, you know, we've talked in the, well, I think you've talked in the past, actually, about that sort of, you know, Ford transition to the production line. Then what happened with Toyota? This is the next big revolution and people need help with it. So we're taking a big step in and I would like to see many of our you know, um, partners, I would say, probably in this community to do the same, because I think the industry and the, the, the drivers and the fleet managers need help. Uh, and I guess that is a, as you say, it's a journey of discovery for business like yours, because in the old, in the old days, pre-electric, you would have probably had to remind people, although it's on the inside of the filler cap, hey, this vehicle's diesel, <laughs> this vehicle's unleaded, right? But you probably weren't telling them where the nearest place they could fill up with their petrol. <laughs> but, Absolutely. But, but, the, but these days, you know, you can lease a vehicle from uh, uh, state-owned energy companies. I'm pretty sure that EDF have, uh, you know, a scheme. Those that resell energy, the likes of Octopus, there is, you know, Octopus uh, Electric Juice. They they will connect you with chargers. Uh, that's what I use. Um, and they will connect you if they want to. They, they have a, um, a kind of a leasing thing through businesses. Uh, and so th- th- there's so many businesses that are having to go, well, hang on a minute, the old world is different now and we're having to kind of reassess where we where we are but what's really interesting what you said about is about community i went on a on a road trip at the weekend with my parents in their 70s they own they own an ev but they'd never gone hundreds of miles and they wanted to go back visit some family and i thought well i'll go as well and you can drop me off halfway i've got some some jobs to do so i went with them and halfway and we stopped at south mims to charge and uh after 25 minutes i have to go move the car and dad was like, huh? I said, well, it'll be at about 80 or 90%, so it's going to slow down a lot now. And there was a queue. And we don't need any more than... Uh, and, and just something as small as that, which is on a DC fast charger, you don't need to go to 100% because you're, you know, the, the, the first bit is half an hour, the next bit is another hour to get the last little bit. Even that, like, oh man, I've bored them to tears with electric vehicles. And he didn't know that. So that was a reminder to me... Goodness, this is not the job of one person. This is actually kind of a job of us all, not to be too rah rah huggy huggy, but as a community, uh, to kind of help each other out. If you see someone struggling at a charger, it's it's kind of okay to say, "You're right. Do you need a hand? Like, is that not working? Because this, I'm leaving. This one was working." So it's really interesting, and I guess that means you get to work with partners you never would have worked with before. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I find that fascinating. I think you're absolutely right. I've had some great conversations at charge points where mm. people are queuing and who's next um yes. is that one working 
or that whole piece of <laughs> yours doesn't work when mine's charging. I mean, that, that whole piece mm-hmm. of, of, and you see somebody come for a first time and then you see somebody else who's been cruising around Scotland, got on every free point that they can find, <laughs> um, going by every supermarket. Everybody's got a different journey. And I think that's the richness of it. And I've seen some really exciting or in human conversations broken mm. among, amongst strangers on the piece of, hey, I've got a problem here. Can you help me? And I, I think it's brilliant. I love it. It feels like we've come such a long way and yet so much to do. I think infrastructure is a... We could do another half an hour on infrastructure because there's been some amazing charges going in and I've used some recently that they're starting to age a bit, haven't worked. And that's because they're not ubiquitous yet because you can't just... It's not. We're not in Norway. You can't pop five minutes down the road like, oh, well, this one didn't work. I'll go to the next one. Sometimes it might be 30 miles away. And you think, ah, this kind of isn't good enough yet. We've got so much, you know, we've done so much, but there's still so much to do. Um, uh, really fascinating. So look, if, if, if people want to, let's get onto these tools that you've built. Obviously, there's the fully charged connection. You've made a ton of content. Yeah. But you can't stop there, right? It kind of has to be up updated it's sort of an Absolutely. it's a never-ending jo- job really you've got okay well we did that that piece of work but we've got to update it now there's new cars there's new technologies but how can people find out more if they want to use some of the tools and the content that, that you've kind of created or co-created yeah absolutely thank you very much so go to leaseplan.com or google search leaseplan electric moments all of the electric moments content video guides tools are on there they're freely available they're open access um you know there's there must be over sort of 15 or 16 videos 80 something guides all free to access and i think five different tools so from car car driver which fuel type's right for me van driver suitability comparing internal combustion and uh, electric vehicles they're all there and we're also giving them to our brokers so yeah lease plan electric moments come have a look and if anybody's got any ideas of oh neil you're missing this I'm absolutely open for it because we're on that voyage of discovery and we're trying to plug every gap we can see and shine those lights into dark corners to, just to help everybody through. That is mega. Neil Emmett, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time. Will you come back sometime? Definitely, definitely. Really enjoyed right. it. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the show, so thank you very much for having me. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry to hear that. Someone's got to be. Uh, That's me. Thank you very much for listening to the show uh, today. As always, uh, you can get in contact. The email address is hello at evnewsdaily.com, uh, and, uh, and you can connect with us that way or on our social media. Uh, any feedback about today's Saturday special or indeed questions that it has uh, brought to mind, uh, then let me know. We can answer them sometime. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. <laughs>